0: yourself in a world that no longer makes sense when you realize a man like Epstein didn't Epstein himself when the police are defunded but Pakistan gets a gender studies grant you may be in the collapse experiment hello and welcome to the collapse experiment where we continue on with our series the great narrative for a better future. There you will eat the bugs? Yes, this is uh, Klaus Schwab's uh, sequel to The Great Reset, The Great Narrative, and we'll be continuing on at 2.1.1, Complexity, yes, <laughs> as if, as if this book didn't need to be any more complex than it is. Uh, We now have uh, subcategories of subcategories, 2.1.1 on page 30, if you'd like to uh, uh, follow us and read along, if you will. So let's get started. When researching this book and during our interviews, the word complexity emerged repeatedly, often alluding alluded to in terms of how it makes it more difficult to comprehend what's going on in the world. In private conversations, we also heard decision makers confess they are they are a bit lost or don't really know what's happening. <laughs> really? <laughs> they must have talked to Biden. This is understandable. The compact complexity created limits to our limits to our knowledge and the understanding of things. It might thus be that today's increasing complexity overwhelms the capabilities of decision-makers to make the most appropriate, sensible, or well-informed decisions. Naturally, what is true for decision-makers is also true for the rest of us. (inaudible) Moiz naam... nami Na... 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 Naim... Naim... Moise Naim put it nearly uh, when he said, I've grown very attached to a statement made in the 1930s by José Ortega y Gasset, a famous Spanish philosopher and thinker who said philosopher and thinker. So some philosophers are not thinkers and some thinkers are not. Wow. Philosopher and thinker. Didn't know those were separate said we do not know what is happening to us that that's a deep thought (laughs) we do not know what is happening to us (laughs) all right yeah that's um that that is a statement worth quoting of of some dude who's a philosopher we do not know what's happening okay i'm i'm so glad that they're Able to come up with uh, such deep thoughts while being unemployed, and that's exactly what is happening to us. There are all there are all kinds of tectonic changes, major societal changes, and we know that we know are affecting us. Climate change, for instance, is going to touch our lives, families, work, companies, uh, employees, clients, colleagues, and societies, communities. Our lifestyle will change. Because you'll eat the bugs and live in the pod and have no privacy, and you will be happy. Our lifestyle will change, but we don't know how we'll end up. Oh, uh, we'll we'll be dead, eventually. At some point, we'll we'll just we'll end up dying. This is complexity at work. It baffles us. How do you not know? <laughs> oh my God. There have been several experts that have studied this stuff for several decades now and they all tell us that we'll end up in the same spot if you continue on with the path that you are creating. Uh, This is not from the book. This is from several other sources outside of the World Economic Forum who have figured out that if we do not have fossil fuels, uh, we do not have 8 billion people on the planet. End of story. You can't replace that. Sorry. Uh, Look at California. Put in the simplest possible terms, complexity is stuff we don't understand or find difficult to understand. In the words of the psychologist Herbert Simon, a complex system is made up of a large number of parts that interact, with a non, interact in a non-simple way. Complex systems are often characterized by an abundance of visible causal links between their elements, which makes them impossible to predict. Intuitively, we grasp that the more complex a system is, the less is our ability to understand it. Eh, I don't really buy that. And to control it, the greater the likelihood that something might go wrong and that is a possible might occur and propagate. Yeah, like shutting down trade and uh, commerce during COVID. You you didn't understand the complexity of our uh, food supply chain? Really, it's, it's too cl- complex to understand that if you shut down one aspect of that supply chain, that the entire thing falls apart. You didn't understand that. Anybody in the industry understands it, maybe you should be talking to them. Complexity can loosely be measured by three things. The amount of information or the number of components in a system. The interconnectedness defined as the dynamic of reciprocal responsiveness between these pieces of information or components. The effect of non linear or nonlinear <laughs> or nonlinear elements are often called ripping points, discussed in greater detail in the context of climate change in section two point three. Nonlinearity is a key feature of complexity because it means that a change is just one component of a system, can give us rise to a surprising and disproportionate effect elsewhere. The words black swan, known unknowns, or butterfly effects epitomize nonlinearity. Mm. No, this is, this is just Donald Rumsfeld talk, right? Known unknowns. Well, you know what the unknown is after the fact, so <laughs> it is thus comes. It thus comes to no surprise that many narratives today about today's world and how complex it is associate complexity with surprises, turbulence, vol- volatility, and uncertainty. Hey, <sighs> these people. It's more complex than we realized. No, you you didn't realize, right? <laughs> Everyone else realized that. In just a few decades, the amounts of information and interconnectedness have dramatically increased, rendering the systems in which we operate, our societies and economies, our systems of governance, our social contracts, our financial markets, our supply chains, and so on, more complex than in the past. They are all complex adaptive systems, meaning that they are Properties uh, are not set in stone, cannot be reduced to the elegant and predictive mathematical formulas that apply to physical science like astronomy and physics. Bullshit! That is complete BS, it's just you are lazy and don't want to do the work. Systems in the living universe must be viewed instead as systems of interactions that are both complex and adaptive our societies economies our political systems and all our institutions represent a cat's cradle of interdependence and interconnections they are adaptive in the sense that they that their behavior is driven by interconnections between human beings who respond to events and situations by adapting to changing conditions and in so doing, modify the intentional conditions. Many models, particularly in economics, would have us believe that we do this in a rational manner that remains constant across time. Far from it! There's an actual exclamation point there, so. Our decisions are not always driven by our best in interests. Our preferences are far from being stable. They change all the time. The image of the homo economicus. Really? The image of the homo economicus. Uh, Relentlessly pursuing his self-interest through the maximization of utility is a caricature. As humans, our conduct is also motivated by sentiments of empathy and generosity. Uh, Our decisions are often based on emotions, such as fear, surprise, happiness. Since the behavior of such complex adaptive systems is driven by the interactions between nodes, the organization, the institutions, the people, us, uh, they can become confused and unruly in times of stress. It's called times of stress. There's a reaction, and it's fight or flight, and some people fight, and other people cringe in terror. You're seeing the people who are in the uh, flight mode. Moron. In short, complex adaptive systems are messy. There's a lot of exclamation points in here. They possess contradictory qualities in the sense that they can simultaneously be both robust and fragile. Uh, Our adaptive network exhibits a a tipping point property, which means the connections serve as a shock absorber, but... Beyond a certain critical stage, they become shock amplifiers and problems cascade. Furthermore, feedback effects under uh, feedback effects under stress amplified the fragility with great velocity. We saw this with big mic- macro shocks as different as the great financial crisis with the fire sales of assets after the collapse of Lehman Brothers in September 2008. The subsequent hoarding of liquidity and the pandemic when the reproduction rate of the virus became such that it caused an exponential growth of incident, uh, incident rates and brought almost everything to a halt. wasn't the virus, dude. Sorry, I'm still going to continue to argue this. It was shitty policies by shitty government officials. As a rule of thumb, the greater the complexity, the greater the uncertainty. Complexity amplifies uncertainty uncertainty, because it becomes impossible to spot the weakest link in the chain. Not really. No. No. The, the weakest link in, in the chain as of right now is government and government reaction. Otherwise, the, the supply chain usually functions fairly well because nobody wants to go out of fucking business. Nobody wants wants that to happen, right? But government gets their money anyways through taxation or just printing the shit out of it. So they can just come up with any policies they want because it doesn't affect them. And there's no side effects to it except for uh, voting and who knows what the fuck's going to happen with that in November, right? The science of complex systems is interdisciplinary, by mixing mathematics, computer science, biology, physics, psychology, economics, ecology, epidemiology, uh, and other disciplines as well, it breaks down the artificial barriers that erect silos between academic professions. David Krakauer, a professor of complex systems at, and the president of the Santa Fe Institute, wait, wait. So so you were just you spent an entire chapter previously bitching about how people specialize in just one thing and they don't understand the other things outside of their expertise, but then you've got this professor of complex systems, which means he has to understand a lot of different things and how they work together uh, Should I just ignore the previous chapter? <laughs> stated during our interview that a set of concepts help to understand why the current world is one of complex casualty. These concepts are relatively new and live in the constellation of concepts that we might call transmittability, uh, infectivity, and cascades, among others. Uh, that are more familiar from the study of disease, which COVID-19 made clear to everyone. But there are others. Tipping points, critical points, scaling phenomenon, uh, issues of collective intelligence, and the wisdom of Wisdom of crowds? Bullshit! (laughs) Individuals are smart, people are stupid. Um, the wisdom of crowds. No, this is, uh, it's weird. Um... They say, we're the majority, blah, 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 follow us, but then when you have another party come into play, they're like, ah, oh, fascists, why... They... No, you're, you're uh, stomping on the minority. <laughs> the wisdom of crowds. Okay. Many ideas have emerged over the past few decades to help us make sense of the world, but they're very new. A constellation of concepts growing out of complex systems are very useful. But we don't know how they all connect. The point toward, they point towards this more unifying theory or synthetic understanding of complex reality. In the great narrative, we refer often. How? Why are you referring to a book that you're currently writing? Like, uh, like they know the outcome of this book. <laughs> it's weird. Like, it's it's so weird when people do that. In the great narrative, we refer often to such notions because they make the most sense in explaining what's going on now. Equally, they must be part of our conceptual framework because only they can explain the messiness or ambiguity of what's coming next. As the futurist Amy Zalman put it to us, Humanity is entering a time that is chaotic and will be difficult to name, so it will actually be a period of multiple things. Uh, With, perhaps, utopias and dystopias unfolding in front of us. Um, If you've ever read a utopia novel, it is a dystopia novel. There is no such thing as a utopia. Uh, It's a freaking nightmare, okay? Uh, Utopia is basically like America, the 1990s. (laughs) Dystopia, America, 2020. (laughs) So... Uh, you can look back at the '90s and have fondness and say like, oh, this was our golden age. Everybody had freaking money. Uh, there was really no racism going on. I mean, yeah, you you had what the LA riots, but um, every everybody was pretty unified that you shouldn't just beat the shit out of some dude in the street, right? We we did establish that they they had their riots. Uh, things were happening. Uh, the the most concerning thing. Uh, that we had to deal with with, with the president was how many blowjobs he was getting in the Oval Office not from his wife um, to, to go back to something like that compared to today where you know the president can't meet with the Pope without shitting his pants um, <sighs> it, there's it, it's a toss up of course now we also know how evil <laughs> Clinton was <laughs> both of them Alright. 2.1.2 velocity. Wow, they're they're really organizing this just like the Great Reset book. Everything is happening much faster than it used to. Because technological advances and, to a lesser extent, globalization have created a culture of immediacy. Really? We operate in a real-time society in which everything is needed and wanted right away. As a result, we constantly feel pressed for time and have the nagging feeling that the pace of life is ever-increasing. This new culture of immediacy obsessed with speed seems to be in all aspects of our lives, from just-in-time supply chains shaken up by COVID, no shit, to high-frequency trading, from speed dating To fast food and fast delivery. It is so pervasive that some thinkers have called this new phenomenon the dictatorship of urgency. What? Who the fuck is calling it the dictatorship of urgency? Now they're just uh, coming up with shit. (laughs) It's like, this is bad, you will eat the bugs. The broad result is that the self life shelf life of a product, or an idea, the shelf life of a CEO or a project, are contracting sharply and often unpredictably. Uh, It's always been unpredictable. I'd like to point that out. Especially if a CEO is a piece of crap. So, let's see here. It also creates the impression that global events unfold at a furious pace. So furious that it can leave us Uh, cognitively stranded and incapable of making sense of what's happening. No, not really. Uh, This shit takes time. Uh, You just don't have a government that's thrown uh, out overnight. So This sense of confusion is uh, heightened by the constant noise in which we are all exposed. Comparable to the uh, advent of the 24-hour news channel 40 years ago, Now the myriad of letters of information and unceasing flow of news provided by social media and other digital outlets bombard us with an unending stream of alerts and notifications that often reduce rather than enhance our understanding. Yes, um, it's called a shitty news network where you only have a 30-second clip to make your argument instead of actually having long drawn out conversations and debates kind of like the president like how is anybody supposed to have a a good idea as to who to vote for for president when you have a time limit for when people can uh, answer questions and react to certain situations it's it's insane like you you can't actually have a well thought out position on anything it's just freaking word salad it's bullshit We have so much information and analysis that it's hard to know how to absorb it, all in a meaningful manner. Not only does velocity take extreme forms, it can also uh, engender perverse effects, impatience, and unreasonable expectations. For example, affect the behavior of many societal groups, changing from uh, partisans to the financial makers, obsessed with momentum trading based on velocity, To voters who demand quasi-immediate results from the politicians they've elected. Consumers upset that the physical delivery of their digital order could take more than a few hours. (gasps) What? As if a book or a dress or a vacuum cleaner delivered in 12 hours rather than four uh, were going to alter the meaning of life. What the fuck are you talking about? Who has a book delivered in 12 hours? What world are you living in? There's something called a store. You can just go to a store and see if they have it. You can get off your ass and go and go out and get stuff. Yeah, that that's a thing. Klaus. The fundamental reason that it explains this astonishing rise in velocity is undoubtedly tech and digital connectivity. More than 60% of the world's population is now online. I thought it'd be higher than that, honestly. Compared to 42% in 2015 and less than 8% just 20 years ago. At the end of 2021, more than 80% of the world's total population had a smartphone. That's just sad. Uh, A total of 57% of the world's population is active on social media. A ratio that rises to over 80% in Northern America. Other explanations for the rise in velocity point to the scarcity elements as societies get richer. Time becomes more valuable and is therefore perceived as ever scarcer. And yet we get paid less and less for our freaking time. This is proven by studies showing that people in wealthy cities always walk faster than in poor cities that in general rich people tend to walk faster than poor people really i i have not noticed that i seem to remember as a rich dude going down a freaking escalator escalators have a, a certain design to it it's supposed to speed up your ascent or descent uh, kind of like that that thing that they have at the airport that people just stand on with their bags because they're too fucking lazy to realize that this doubles the effectiveness of traveling to your plane. It doubles your speed. <laughs> You're supposed to move faster. Uh, and instead, people are just freaking lazy. No matter what the casual explanation is... The end game of all this is obvious. We are all being subjected to constant but discontinuous rapid change. Velocity is everywhere. Whether it's crisis, social discontent, technology, geopolitical upheaval, the financial market, or shocks like the pandemic, everything now runs on fast forward and tends to take us by surprise. This was manifest at the end of 2021. In retrospect, some of the most significant macro events that took place at the time surprised us. Whether it was the suddenness of supply shock disruptions, the change of inflation, the advent of a global energy crisis, the abruptness of certain policy measures taken by Chinese President Xi Jinping against tech, or the resurgence of COVID-19 in Europe... Resurgence. Oh, yes. You know, what was it? Uh, the Omicron, <laughs> the one that was the real vaccine. They all happen faster than most analysts and the public had anticipated. <clears throat> often exponential growth is the reason behind the apparent extreme velocity. We often and wrongly equate exponential growth with fast growth, but it's different. Fast means high speed, while exponential growth is rather about the way in which the speed keeps evolving. In simple terms, please, please give us the simple terms, Klaus. Exponential growth, when there is a fixed doubling of time, thus it shows greater increases as time goes by. Pandemics tend to follow this pattern. They can progress at breakneck speed with a rate of infection doubling in just a few days, as COVID-19 did in March of 2020. Yes, and we were supposed to flatten the curve, right? For, for 12 days? 14? It, it, was, it was two weeks, right? Kept saying 12 days for absolutely no freaking reason, but two weeks... At the moment, the same applies to technological advance. Exponential growth is hard to grasp. It is, in fact, so baffling to our cognitive functions that we often deal with it by developing exponential myopia. Thinking of it as nothing more than very fast, but in a famous experiment conducted in 1975... Two psychologists found that when asked to predict an exponential process, we often underestimate it by a factor of 10. It's no surprise that we get overtaken by events. Niam, uh observed in our conversation with him that we are getting the trends correctly, but we are constantly being proven wrong on the velocity. We know what the changes will al- that will alter the world are, but we underestimate, and have a long history of underestimating velocity. Good for you. Uh, an important and far-reaching consequence of velocity is the following: leaders and decision makers have more important and more, more information and more analysis than ever before, but less time to decide. In addition, velocity was has created a problem of a synchronicity between different groups whose time horizon differs. If necessity policymakers and business leaders take time to decide, obliged as they are to consider different con, uh, con constituency, nu, groups, constituency <clears throat> and different interests, by contrast, non state and non corporate actors like civil society, activists, leaders, or the electorate react almost immediately to everything that happens or doesn't happen. Oh boy, the difference in tempos can be startling. It is temporary, it is particularly uh, problematic in liberal democracies as they are subject to the vagrancies of the electoral cycle Uh, worldwide and more generally we now expect everything to accelerate but also to improve yes by taking assholes like you out of power that's that's how you improve things this produces burnout a sense of estrangement and nagging feelings of uneasiness and discomfort yeah we're not eating your fucking bugs we're not sorry um You want discomfort? You you want to know what the discomfort is? It's the fact that you assholes keep trying to tell us that we can't have simple things. Like food. Basic food. Real food. Sorry. 2.2. Economics. And we'll probably stop somewhere in the middle of this. I don't Maybe I can get to that. Economics. In 2020 and much of 2021, government policy alone stood between the global economy and the abyss. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, No, they created the abyss. I'd like to just point that out. There's a great abyss of unemployment and depression. And Uh, yes, the pandemic upended the economy's orthodoxy, and that had that had prevailed for decades, prompting policymakers to abandon austerity and spend their way out of the pandemic. Governments chose to do that. It was not the pandemic. It was them panicking because they... <sighs> we, have to, we have to do so... How about you just don't do anything, right? Like, um... <laughs> what the hell? All the nations that could afford to do so engaged in whatever-it-takes-moment-for-large-scale, scale, outside-the-box fiscal and monetary policies. Yes, that's modern monetary theory, uh, which they've been pushing for a while now, before the pandemic. I remember people talking about modern monetary theory, and this was their excuse to use it. In rich countries, the government's and central banks' decision to pursue extraordinary accommodative fiscal and monetary policies has proven effective, further fostered by successful vaccination campaigns. Okay. A reminder that economies and epidemiology cannot be separated. Really? Economies and, and the jab cannot be separated. I don't know about that one. I think we have some states that did really good without this bullshit. Despite the dramatic global crop, uh, crop dramatic global drop in GDP in 2020, all OECD countries should have recovered the lost ground by 2022. No, no, they did not. Uh, in developing countries and most emerging markets, the story is a very different one and the situation couldn't be starker. Their monetary and fiscal support was much more limited, if not non-existent, since they enjoy very little latitude to implement the expansionary policies for risk of hammering their currencies and generating inflation added to that, they have they have had limited access to vaccines. What? Who the fuck had limited access? Everybody was offered the. Everybody was offered the vaccine, and a lot of countries were just like, "You can take your your weird shit and shove it up your ass." Um, <laughs> had limited access to vaccines. It seems like the countries that just didn't get the vaccine were already on other certain drug regimens, did fairly well, and were just kind of like, "Yeah, we're not seeing this." thing here. So like, we don't need it. The damage inflicted by the pandemic would therefore be more profound and will last longer in the developing world. Globally, the recovery comes at us at the expense of sharply deteriorating debt to GDP. Wait, what? The recovery comes at the expense of sharply deteriorating debt, deteriorate. Debt to GDP. No, that's that's increasing ratios and huge questions mark marks the future of growth and debt crisis. Thus, it will be protracted, uh, uneven, and uncertain. Kind of confused on what the frick they're saying here. Globally, the recovery comes at the expense of sharply deteriorating jet, debt to GDP ratios. Hmm. So are they saying that the debt's going up and GDP is going down? Because that's that's what's happening. Or are they saying that the debt's gonna go down compared to GDP and that's an issue? Like we have more debt now than than ever before. Four point six trillion dollars of uh citizen debt in the United States that's not including the 30 plus trillion dollars that the federal government has and that's excluding a lot of different programs that are also in debt that's just the national debt that's not certain programs that are included in that so um, I'm I'm really hoping that this is trying to say that the debt is going to increase compared to GDP because I think we're at like 110 percent of GDP for for our national debt so, Holy crap. Uh, 2.2.1. 2, yeah, growth. That's, that's the next segment here. I'm probably going to stop in the middle of this. Economic growth matters both as a benchmark to measure success and the role it will play in the engine of human progress. In principle, the more a country grows, the better it can harness its full economic, social, and no Oxford comma, social and human potential. Therefore, heads of government, public officials, and politicians are under constant pressure to generate and report higher, faster growth. Hmm. Uh, at the time of writing, at the end of 2021, growth in advanced economies was rebounding, much less so in most emerging markets and developing countries, When recovery from the pandemic will have played out, the vigor of the rebound exhausted its effect. Global growth will likely turn to a lukewarm levels experienced prior to 2020. In the foreseeable future, the global economy will grow less than it did in the past for several secular reasons. Yeah, uh... I hate to break it to you, dude, but we're having, like, basically an economic crash right now. So, not really growing. Not not growing. A lot of people didn't go back to work. Uh, we have a shortage of workers. Um, yeah, the, this new weird policy of just, like, paying people to stay home. They they decided they'd just like to stay home. <laughs> so, yeah, none of this is, is really uh, working out. Uh, they include, in no particular order, global aging, inequalities, inequalities. Remember when you were poor, you just thought you could work harder to move yourself up the ladder? And a lot of people did, right? They just were like, oh, if I work harder and and maybe do more uh, to improve my situation, I can. But no, inequalities is an excuse now here, according to them, to just not do stuff. A particular, uh, a partial retreat from globalization and the supply risk it entails. High levels of indebtedness, geopolitical turmoil, and Chinese growth inevitable deceleration. Uh, each of these factors, which often intersects with each other and amplify their effects, will constrain future economic growth. Okay, so there's... Wow, there's a a four-and-a-half-page paragraph that is coming up after that, so I'm going to end it there. We are at page 40 in the growth section of economics, and we will continue on there tomorrow, hopefully. Join us again for another uh, exciting episode of The Collapse Experiment. And remember, you are the carbon they want to reduce. Thank you for listening to The Collapse Experiment Podcast. For more content, check out thecollapseexperiment.com where you can find the latest news articles. If you'd like to help out this podcast, check out books by Matthew Gilman on Amazon. Or you should just buy gold and silver. Just, just buy gold and silver. It's, it's a better investment, and uh, you might actually have something to trade later on when the world <laughs> falls apart.